0: All right, Chris. So, we have not chosen the domain for the Factoid podcast where it will be hosted. And I thought it would be fun for us to maybe go through a few ideas of what where we could okay. possibly have it. And our listeners will all know what we chose in the end because, you know, they will – I'm sure they will see it posted all over our show notes and, you know, be inundated with it um, by my Instagram account. Right. Um, but I wanted to just run through a few ideas that I potentially had. Uh, have you seen how crazy the list of, you know, d- top level domains are and how just so specific some of these can get? Yes,
1: I have seen. I've gotten a little into that myself. Never purchased one personally, but I've gotten into it.
0: Sure. I mean, just as I'm going through alphabetically, we've got dot Black Friday. Oh. Yeah, a very, a very one note, one day of the year kind of domain. we got .dot .camera, dot .christmas. Um, it, you know, it really just goes on and on. Uh, but a few of the ones that I was thinking that might be good for, you know, our podcast, I like the idea of, you know, we, we can start really boring. We can start with a, you know, a factoid but then maybe jazz it up a little bit. Maybe you move to factoid.zone, factoid.cool, factoid.fun. Um, I think my personal favorite right now is Chris dot fun. <laughs> and I, that's
1: my favorite as well yeah okay yeah
0: now uh, i do definitely love to have you know vanity urls and i think you know what really goes into a good you know domain name for me is really everything that makes it not good uh, i think some of it is i like a confusing one i like the the dot to be in an area that doesn't make sense uh, i personally own i have i've had some vanity urls over the year I think I pay $20 a year for a redirect to my regular website. Okay. Uh, so, I'm the proud owner of hop. Nice. And it just re- redirects to my portfolio of like video work and stuff. Uh, but the moment that I found out that hop existed, I mean, I've been paying ever since. And I It's think, worth it. I think my rates have even increased over the oh, years. Oh, wow. And, you know, I feel like it is- it's a necessary expense. I
1: think so too. And all like obviously, you're gonna need that if you ever become a DJ.
0: It was very confusing when I was migrating this .dot hip hop domain over to a different like domain uh, company, and my my redirect wasn't working. Like I would type in the .dot hip hop and it wasn't showing up. So I had to call tech support for this company <laughs> and explain to them why my .dot hip hop domain was not redirecting to the .dot com. And I felt like I just had to tell the guy, I am not a rapper and this is just a dumb joke.
1: That's funny. Not
0: that he couldn't tell by who I am. <laughs> and where you were redirecting to. Oh, absolutely. Right. That's funny. Yeah. So, I might also have to look into, uh, the, there is a domain name for people that live in Indonesia. But I think it is available to people outside of Indonesia where you can get a .id. So, we could even do facto. .id. I like that. I like that. It, that. That leads me to the next
1: question. Can, like .ca, .uk, whatever, all this stuff, right? Country bases, like geocodes or whatever. Yeah. Are you allowed to have those in the US? I can you think... host a .ca in the US? Or can you pay from the US for a .ca hosted website?
0: I don't know. And I think it may be related to the governments. Like I think there are certain ones that have restrictions. Like I think the Indonesian government says... We would love to have a little bit of extra business. We will allow people that aren't from Indonesia to, to do that. Uh, but honestly, I don't know. I know that I've
1: listened to podcasts and stuff about it. I know that like, and I don't remember super details. So, you know, obviously I'm going to be corrected on this, I'm sure. But how I think it works is I'm, I'm pretty sure almost any combination of anything can be used after the dot as a domain name. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it works is like there are big, big, big companies who exist solely they like buy up in bulk every domain and then sell to you a single use of it like oh. for blah blah blah.id like big companies own like millions of them and so when you're buying it if i understand correctly like you know you can get a website from blah 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 domains google domains whatever right yeah i'm pretty sure they all get them from other places like they're not like godaddy or whatever doesn't own the domains okay google domains doesn't own the domains they just have access to let you purchase them through them so i think like big companies and i don't remember the name of the company but multiple ones mostly one own all of them and then they you're like leasing it from them basically man that's crazy it is crazy but it's a whole business i mean it's like a whole if if i I understand like competitive business it's a whole dot biz you could say (laughs) that was good yes it is it is
0: Welcome to the Factoid Podcast. You didn't ask for it, but we're gonna tell you anyways. My name is Peyton Gessel. And I'm Chris Humphreys. When I was a kid, my mom was very into bird watching, and she would have she did not really go out somewhere to watch the birds, but she would have bird seed and plenty of places for birds to build nests near our house. And I remember a lot being in grade school eating cereal in the morning. And being able to turn around and look at different birds that were hanging out nearby. And I learned a lot about different bird species when I was a kid just from that. I had a little book that had a bunch of bird species in it. And while I wouldn't say I was obsessed with it, I mean, I definitely learned a lot about different species of birds. And one thing I never really thought about is just the difference in how smart and dumb different bird species can be. What I wanted to talk about today was something I recently learned about one of the smarter birds – the crow and how one man is trying to use technology to facilitate better interactions with crows. But there's a little bit of capitalism mixed in with this as well. (laughs) Chris, are you familiar with the crow box? (laughs) No. (laughs) So, the the crow box, it is a tech platform along with a physical platform uh, that works as a bird feeder that comes in several stages. I'm going to read to you the four stages that come on the crow box website. Stage one, discovery and free feeding. In stage one, basically you have this box that is, resembles a bird feeder to an extent. And you would put whatever type of food you want to have the, the bird eat, the crow specifically eating in there. And it's just a, you know, come as you go bird feeder. And if you have crows that live nearby, the goal is to get them to identify that this is a place where we can get food. And as long as you're replenishing it somewhat regularly, they start to just make your house a stop along their you know their feeding trips throughout their average day. So, once you've established that, you move to stage two, food available on landing. I think the crow box uses Arduino, if I remember co- correctly. But in stage two, there is a clear plastic platform that sits above the food. And when the bird lands on this platform, it triggers like some sort of mechanism that makes the platform move away and allows the crow to get the food. So eventually the crow learns, if I stand on this platform, I get the food. Whereas in stage one, you just got the food. So when you move to stage three, you go to food available on deposit. Training coins provided. <laughs> Do you see what we're doing here yet? We're teaching a crow to pay for food. Yeah, we are building a vending machine for crows.
1: <laughs> a crow box.
0: Yes. So, on stage three, you put coins on top of the platform and now the platform only moves away if the crow kicks the coins into the bottom level of the crow box. And eventually, through enough trial and error, it's going to either pick it up or accidentally kick the coins and they'll fall to the bottom. And it learns that now this is what you must do for food. Now, stage four is the final stage, food available on coin deposit. No <laughs> coins are provided. And you're ultimately, <laughs> your, your goal using like Skinnerian, you know about BF Skinner? He he was a psychologist who learned, who did a lot of with like training, you know, mice and rats, how to do certain things. Uh, So, by using like some of the principles of of, like BF Skinner in psychology, you know, you can eventually train crows to pick up coins in the world and deposit them in your crow vending machine in exchange for food.
1: Is that real? Yeah. 100%
0: Hundred percent real, and if you want to get a crow box shipped to you, if you want to assemble it, kind you of know dope, this guy what is what more of cash than. Cash.
1: Am I looking at? How much does this cost?
0: About a hundred dollars. So we're talking. Uh, <laughs> the design is open source, though, so I can build one. If you wanted to build one, yes.
1: Here, okay, I have a lot of questions about it. Yes. I do.
0: I have quite a few questions
1: about it. Number one, has this worked? I don't know because. The the concerns I have are this. I, like, I can imagine this. I watch Shark Tank. Do you ever watch Shark Tank? A little bit. I can imagine this showing up on Shark Tank and it would be hilarious because, like, it's just funny. But also, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many potential problems I see and maybe I'm wrong, okay? Okay. Would the crow not just skip over this feeding place after he realizes that he has to put a coin? Like, I feel like maybe... The free food, that's free food. You stop. The thing where you stand on it and like, where's the food? Oh, it opened. There's free food, right? I get that. Maybe they'll. Maybe, that seems possible to me. Kicking the coins even, it seems possible to me. I've seen the Mark Rober thing where they train the squirrels, right? I've, like, I see how smart animals can be, right? But at, at, the, at that point, do you think he would still come back? I don't he, know, Chris.
0: How, how far would you go for good food? I would find a quarter, I'll tell you that. There was a time when my sister and I drove almost three hours into Pennsylvania just to go to a diner. I would do the same thing. You make a good point. How good is I? But that leads
1: me to my, to my next piece. And, and maybe this device isn't created to make me money, but it feels like a loss to me, a lose-lose, really, because I have to pay for the device or, or create it myself, which seems like a fun hobby, but will cost money. Then I have to stock this thing, right? And how do you... It would have to be either one thing at a time. So, Because obviously, once the crow's in, he's in. You know what I'm saying? He's not just going to have one... He's not going to take one seed and go. He's going to eat the bird seeds, all of them, right? So, then I'm going to have to restock this thing every... Who knows? I don't know how often crows eat, but maybe it's every day.
0: Maybe it's every week. Maybe it's twice a day, five times a day. I don't know. And that's where the money comes in. It is. If you are getting regularly paid, then you're able to pay for replenishing. How See, much
1: do I charge the crow?
0: I don't know. I mean, <laughs> does he do crows care about fiat currency? Are they going to notice inflation? Can we make it a bill acceptor? Ooh, that might introduce some other mechanical issues, but I, I think the the weight is kind of how the the crow box works, like the weight of the coin. Right. So That could be an issue, but I think you might have to just stock up on, did they still print 50 cent pieces or Sacagaweas? As far
1: as I know, yes. But I haven't looked into it for a while. But last I checked, that was still a thing you could buy. But now that I think about it, the chances of a crow finding them in the wild. Finding what? It's going to have to be a penny on the parking lot or a dime. Right. So, we're, I mean, like. I don't want to charge them a dollar because it's going to take them three days to find the amount of coins to put in the machine for their food that they can just get at the next stop at the lady down the street who puts it free.
0: Sure. I
1: I, I like the idea. In fact, I kind of want one.
0: kind of want to try it. Sure. Well, I should probably tell you about my favorite thing about the Crowbox, um, which is I was reading about the software that you install on your Crowbox and the operating system. Do you have any ideas what they might call (laughs) the operating system? Crow s
1: oh I literally when you started that I thought that might be what it is
0: yeah it is c lowercase r o s that's good I know <laughs> that's brilliant yeah so we're recent- in S uh, one
1: point one here on my Crobox one not even the prototype at this point this is a real business yeah. I can actually go buy this I is that, like, don't like three D printed stuff.
0: I don't know if business is the right word. I think it is a man who is very passionate about crows and training crows and maybe wants to have more people experimenting alongside him to get more data. So, this is, this is about crow knowledge. Yes. I think this guy is not in it as much for the money and more that he just the loves data, crows. data collection about crows.
1: Yeah. I, it's interesting to me. I love data and that's interesting to me. That's like,
0: it's oh, <laughs> interesting to me. Now, and if that is interesting to you, I have a, another kind of similar topic that I also wanted to bring up as a little bit of a bonus. Just another example of like animal-human interaction that is done through technology. Did you hear about the fish streamer that was up in the news recently a few weeks ago? Fish streamer. Yeah. Uh, so, there is a, there's a fish who streams on YouTube and he's been streaming for a few years actually, uh, but he... You know, he maybe did something unsavory to his owner that got him a few articles written about him. Uh, so, the the YouTube channel is called uh, Mutekamaru. is okay. uh, a Japanese YouTuber who streams his fish playing video games. He has a series of cameras that are pointed at his fish tank and he has divided up the tank into several sections where if a fish is moving in, say, the top left you know, corner of this little area that corresponds with the A button on a controller. And he has it connected to some sort of interface that allows like a button to be digitally pressed. So, he, he lets one fish at a time in the, you know, in the streaming tank. Right. And over the course of 12 hours, the fish will just be moving around. And whenever the fish moves into a different area, new buttons are pressed. And he has his fish playing through various Pokemon games. No way. He's been doing this for several years now. And they have, you know, they have beaten many games. A few years ago, they actually discovered a glitch that like real streamers hadn't discovered. The fish did. Yes, yes the fish discovered a glitch.
1: That's incredible.
0: Is yes. this live now? Uh, it is only live for a little bit longer. Uh, I think the, the creator, like the the owner of the fish announced that he's going to be retiring the channel soon. Uh, but, uh, the fish are really going out with a bang. So they were playing, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet recently. And for those of you that have been playing those games, they're a little bit broken in some areas, maybe a little less polished than some of the other recent Pokemon games, a lot of visual glitches and things of that sort. And I was watching a, you know, a recap of this stream and you see, the, you know, the fish go and they beat the third gym leader and, you know, they wipe the floor with them and they're leaving the town and going to a new town and the game crashes. So, now for the first time, the fish are on the Nintendo Switch home screen. Oh no! So, their first order of business is to change their username. So, they change the username around and then they, they log into the eShop and they request... Some sort of information get emailed out, which the owner of the account says that he considers this to be the first time a fish has ever emailed a human. (laughs) And then the fish, while still on the eShop, starts withdrawing money from his owner's account. No way. He withdraws 500 yen. And in the process of this, he also flashes up his owner's credit card information on the stream multiple times.
1: Are you serious?
0: I am dead serious.
1: Legitimately, a fish is purchasing things. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah.
0: The owner obviously doesn't watch the stream constantly just because it runs 24 hours a day. So, the owner found out when he got an email for a receipt for funds being withdrawn from his account. And I think he did file a complaint with Nintendo to see if he could get the money refunded. And in the comments box said that his fish had purchased.
1: That is hilarious. That's amazing. I did not know that existed. I did, however, that's not the first time I've heard of a fish controlling a computer, though. Really? Yeah. Do you know, there's a guy on YouTube who just came out with a video in the past month, it's a brilliant video, where his fish trades stocks for him. Whoa. And this fish, it's the same kind of thing, much less complex, right? But it's like the tank is split into two Two sections, one side being one stock, the other side being another. Uh, and it's like I, those stocks are chosen based on some set of data. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, and depending on whichever side the fish hangs out on longer in a minute, that's the one that he'll choose. And he did it where it was like I don't I think it was like maybe ten or twenty thousand dollars for the fish and ten or twenty thousand dollars using like stock API going off of Wall Street bets on Reddit which are just like ridiculous you know like ridiculously risky non you know like and so the fish goes up against Wall Street bets automatically fascinating video fish ends up making way more money than Wall Street bets does oh man and so that's that's interesting like I. I had never heard of a fish doing something like that, but I almost, it sounds to me like my guy stole it from your guy. Like the idea of it.
0: Possibly, Because yeah. your
1: guy's been going for a while. Yeah. And it's I, just I, all, like his, his channel's like engineering based, so it's like all about like how he created the thing for, to get the fish to do it and then it's, it's a funny video. Right. That's interesting. Huh. cool. Speaking of uh vending machines, yes. I have something that I would like to share with yes. you. This it, it, Perfect timing because I had this thing I was thinking about this week a lot and it's a story of my childhood. And when I was younger, uh we didn't buy a lot of soda when I was a kid. We didn't buy much. I call it soda. Other people call it pop. I actually think I grew up calling it pop. We, we didn't have much at my house when I was growing up. I think it was a specific choice of my mom because it's just not healthy, right? I, I respect it. I think that's a good idea. But- that's something. I drink a lot of soda now.
0: Let but the record show that there is a can of Coke sitting on the table <laughs> and it yes, is
1: Chris's. Yes, and it's gone. Uh, and so, I, I drink a lot of soda now, right? And I think that's partially in rebellion to my mother for not letting me drink it as a child. I don't know. Maybe not. But because she let me drink it. Don't get me wrong. All that to say, we would go to Walmart. We'd go shopping or whatever. My mom would do grocery shopping. We'd be together and I'd be there too. And on the way out, there was a Sam's Choice soda vending machine outside the Walmart. Which they don't have those anymore. I assume because they just started. It wasn't worth the the maintenance and upkeep or whatever. There, there's not many of those still in existence. But there was a Sam's Choice vending machine and Sam's Cola. Right? I'm a cola drinker. I like Coke. Sam's Cola isn't that good. Right? It's sure. it's fake off-brand cola. Just isn't very good. That's kind of a fact. Um, but Sam's Cola is better than no cola. And I and I was used to no cola. But that the fun part about that vending machine was it was a one quarter right? For a long, long time, like longer than soda should have been one quarter. It was one quarter. And so, but, but this is when I was younger, my mom would give me a quarter and she'd let me go pick one. And sometimes she'd give me two quarters because she would want one or whatever. Well, soon it happened to where this vending machine, you'd put your quarter in, pick your soda. It would give you the soda, give you a quarter in change and you could go right so literally it it was free. just a, it was a free soda and so after a while my mom and i took advantage of this a couple times she would give me one quarter i'd go get us two sodas and we did it it didn't we didn't do it that much i think they either got rid of the vending machine or fixed the problem or we just stopped exploiting it i don't know sure
0: i'm sure the walton family was Distraught at the amount of money they were losing they were. due to that, and immediately right. fixed it.
1: Exactly. They 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 track those kind of numbers for sure.
0: They would know that.
1: And so we, you know, we 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 took advantage of it a few times. I remember. Um, often I would get my mom a root beer because she liked root beer, and I would get a Coke. And that happened just a couple times. I remember. But I remember thinking, free stuff out of a vending machine—that's incredible. And so I thought, how else can you get free stuff out of a vending machine? And no, I didn't get. I didn't actually try, but you hear the stories, you hear the, you hear all the tricks, right? And so, so I've been, I've been looking into some of those tricks of the trade of how to get things out of a vending machine. And what I've learned is kind of interesting, right? And it led me into something, uh, it led me into more things, but with the vending machines, right? The old standard that you always read about is you, you tie a quarter with a string and you drop it down and then you can pull it right back out. Well, that was a viable option at a time in history, right? It's true. But very quickly, vending machine companies and coin operations, like people who create the coin operations or the, the mechanisms that collect coins on a machine, they figured that out relatively quickly that this would be exploited and this would be taken advantage of. And it was. And so, that is when they created. The first iteration of it was there was like a blade that once you drop the coin in, you could still pull it out, but the blade would cut the string, right? That was the first iteration. Very and that's dangerous, fascinating, but right? also very fascinating. Exactly. So. That is the first way they did it. But soon after that, they realized that people were finding other ways of exploiting. So they just created a, th- it was like, it's like a latch. That's one way coin goes in, can't come back out. So no matter how hard you try, you can't pull that coin out on a string. In fact, it basically ruins the coin operations of that machine. Someone has to come fix it. Right. So it's not a good thing. Don't try that. Right. Right. But there are still ways that you can get around coin machines. And I don't know if you've noticed when we travel, when me and my wife, we stop at rest stops a lot. And yeah. rest stops often have a room or a building filled with just random vending machines. And these rest stops are updated not that often, right? Because nobody mans them. Like it's just, they just sit around. You've been to them, I'm sure. Of course. They're kind of desolate places. No,
0: please tell me about these vending machines <laughs> you speak of. And
1: so, vending machines at rest areas, sometimes in the modern society we live in, I pay with the card 99% of the time. Well, vending machines often have additions on them, right? New machines that are hooked into the, physical mechanism of this vending machine that can accept a card payment. But I don't know if you've noticed, not all machines, but a lot of machines, that's just an extra piece of hardware. And the coin acceptor, is still the original coin acceptor from the vending machine, right? Because this thing, it'll accept bills, it'll accept a card, but that's a separate piece. So, there are still vending machines out there that have very old coin mechanisms on them, which leaves them relatively vulnerable. But that did not stop companies from creating more safety precautions. You can buy pieces of, of material- that are of similar size and shape to a coin, they, they refer to those as slugs in the biz, right? That's called a slug. And so you can buy slugs that are whatever, right? X, Y, Z size, they're quarter size, dime size, penny size. You can buy those. I looked them up. They're a lot harder. You're not supposed to buy them, right? But you could buy them. And a lot of times they're even like washers and stuff, right? And so it used to be that you could literally throw a washer down and it would work, right? But now they have created these things called slug busters, which are of varying technology but some of them are weight some of them determine the weight the size the diameter some of them are magnetic so they determine whether or not a coin is magnetic because coins like in the u.s anyway coins aren't magnetic right right and so a lot of times slugs are magnetic because it's a lot cheaper to make a magnetic metal alloy or whatever than it is to make a coin whatever the composition of a coin is so they're magnetic uh and so if you drop a slug and it's magnetic it'll just spit the coin out because they know it's not a coin that, that's the main one, right? That, But there, there are many different things that determine. And so, you can, in fact, still get around it, but it's a lot harder than it used to be because they've been doing these coin busters, they call them, for years and years, right? Yeah, that, I was that about was, to ask
0: if there is a like a slug busting community that you have gotten into. <laughs> no,
1: I wish. I wish. I wish there was because, again, I'm not really planning on, you know, getting free stuff out of vending machines. I, sure. I, I would take advantage of another free quarter thing if I if it came up. But
0: right. slug buster also uh, probably was my Xbox gamer tag and <laughs> 2007.
1: <laughs> that's a good one. It's a good one. I would, yeah. that's one you want to hold on to. Probably worth some money in yep. that, in that community. Basically, I've learned that's how that works. But I was also thinking, well, it's not just vending machines that take coins, right? There are many things that take coins. So I wonder if that technology exists for other things.
0: Like which, a laundromat?
1: Like a laundromat, right? Cause those take, again, they sometimes accept coins. They sometimes are created to where you have to, like, you know, preload a card and they all take this weird preload laundry card whatever but but that's the case too a lot of those have older style coin mechanisms similar i don't know if you've ever been to like a, a restaurant that has those machines like where you put the coins in a slot and then you shove in the bar and pull it out and like a sticker will come out Have yeah you ever like, used a, of like those? a gashapon a lot of time i don't know what that is but maybe are they uh, like in little capsules uh no so i'm thinking of like it would be a rectangular box that holds like Usually, like stickers or paper things, okay. you push it in, you pull it out, and it slides out the little sticker. Okay, Either I think, way, I, I, think I know like, what you're talking about. It's like a, a long piece with like slots that you put coins, you can put up to like a dollar usually in yeah. them, right? And you push it in. So those are on like a lot of laundry, a lot a lot of laundry things. So I was wondering how easy. Well, yeah, that can also be done, but it turns out they've been adding these slugbusters for years. Like that came about, like I, if I'm not mistaken, like pre 50s, like way back. Oh wow. Yeah, you can get around one if you know how to create a metal composition that's not magnetic. That has a similar size and weight and diameter to whatever coin you're looking for. It's possible still, right? That still can be done. But that's right. not really – it's not something you do. But I did discover some other things that were coin-operated that is completely un- unrelated that was interesting to me, okay? okay. One of those being the coin-operated television. Did you know this existed? No. Okay. So, it turns out in airports and in barbershops and in places with waiting rooms, back in the day, they used to have coin-operated televisions pay as you go it was generally if i understand right a quarter for 30 minutes worth of tv and they would have not usually very many channels but some kind of local programming on them usually news or whatever major networks and it was like just as you can imagine a big crt tube tv on an arm of a chair that was like little It's still huge because it's a tube TV and coin-operated televisions were a thing. And I thought that was fascinating. So I began to research coin-operated televisions and quickly came upon what is called, if I'm not mistaken, it's like a telemeter or something like that. And I could be wrong about the name. So please email in with all your complaints or all the things I got wrong. But basically what this is, and I kid you not, it is for consumers, for people who live at homes, at residences. It is a cable box that you put money into for like specific content. So like it's almost like pay-per-view that you paid physical money for. Wow. You could get like certain movies or certain types of channels with a quarter, right? You put money into it. It's a physical box. And this was a company idea uh and it was in the 50s, I believe, like early 50s, and I think the company was around from like 53 to 64. Like it was a, a little ways in America it was for like a year. It took off more in Canada. This is a company. People went around selling this technology to people for their homes, right? Right. And at its peak, there was like five thousand people, so it wasn't a ton of people. And I'm sure it was a better
0: business in Canada, just because if you think about their money, you could you know you could put a toonie in there, and that would be a lot more money than if you were just putting a quarter in. (laughs) Maybe I don't know that much about Canada metal money, paper. I mean, not paper,
1: but you know, coins.
0: I think you can get up to a two dollar coin. Wow. See? That's why they call it a A toonie. Because it's like two. See, I didn't know that. Two (laughs) loonies.
1: Oh, that's great. It turns out with this device that people did have, it would hold about 90, I'm sorry, it would hold about nine months worth of money. And so, somebody from the company would come around and collect the money. They would come to your door and they would collect the money that you had put in your box for this. Wow. For this, right? But they only came every six months. So, if you missed them, you had to basically time your TV so that you didn't put too much money in it so that you ran out of TV to purchase in that three-month gap because it would only hold nine months worth of money. Oh, wow. So, it's interesting because like people must have been just better natured, or maybe this is why the company doesn't exist anymore. But if I had a box that I had to put my own money in, and no one was going to look at it for six months, I would try to figure out how to get the money
0: out of it. There's plenty of time for you to come up with schemes.
1: And so, maybe that's why it doesn't exist. I don't know. But that's another coin-operated thing I found out. I'm glad you don't have to put a coin in to watch TV anymore. That's all I got to say.
0: Now- We do,
1: technically. I guess if you think about it.
0: Sure. I think ultimately, I just want to combine our two ideas together. And I want to train a crow to- Pay to co- watch TV? Yes that'd be incredible we reach out to this man
1: who's creating the crow box okay and call it Kroku. oh my gosh oh my goodness let me just reserve a domain
0: name here quick Kroku.tv. i hope it ex- i hope it doesn't exist i hope we- Kroku.tv is available oh
1: my goodness amen
0: yeah uh- I'm personally okay with just having many vanity URLs for our podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Factoid Podcast. If you have a factoid and want to share it with us, you can email us at factoidpodcast.com. We also accept corrections because no factoid is good if it's incorrect. You can
1: find us on all the major podcast platforms or on our website, factoidpodcast.com.
0: We'll see you in a few weeks.